Welcome to Abnormal Mapping, episode 49. I'm your host, M. With me is the usual Jackson. Hello. And Destiny. Hello. And we are here for a very special announcement. But you're going to have to wait until the end of the episode for that. So, in the meantime, how's everybody been doing? Uh, good. Good. I'm all right. Uh, not been able to finish, finish school since the last time we recorded this in the late 80s. I feel like the last time we recorded this, you were like in the midst of like a nervous breakdown. So I'm still in the midst of a nervous breakdown, but That's like a ongoing. different one. Yeah, like a, a different related one. one. Yeah, the that the previous nervous breakdown was about real things, but now I have found fake things for to have the to keep the nervous breakdown ongoing. There is nothing um, more real than European localizations of 3DS <laughs> games, Jackson. Well, no, it's more than that. It's also, like, I can't play games because I'm like, oh, I should play the wrong game. I started this other thing. What if I'm not going to enjoy it? Like, my ability to ap- appreciate anything in life has gone to anxiety attacks. I think the answer is drugs. I think so, drugs are the answer. <laughs> uh, this is not Goof Zone. So let's ask Destiny, what have you been up to? What have you been playing lately? Um, well, I've been playing Mitomo. And does one play Mitomo? I think Mitomo so. plays you. Well, yeah, that's probably the actual answer. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say that that's a that's a real one. That's a real answer, sure. Uh that's about it. I, I, I dabble in Stardew Stardew Valley. I almost said Stardust Valley. Stardew Valley. How many hours do you have in Stardew Valley, Destiny? Ooh, I don't even know. Do you want me to look? Yes, I'll I'll yeah, go look. Alright, I'm looking now. Yep. And I'll go back to you. Um, I like Mitomo is an interesting social app, I guess, but I feel like our target cartwheel app is more of a game than Mitomo is. <laughs> Can you explain what the target cartwheel app is? For it the is listeners? just it is just a way to get coupons digitally through gamification because you put stuff in every week and then you unlock badges that allow more slots to make cu- to put coupons in your like coupon wallet or whatever. I'll tell you what's more of a game than Mitomo. What? Twitter. T- Twitter doesn't have achievements. It, I mean, yes, it does. You can get verified. That's not like That's not one achievement is not a, like whatever. You can get verified. You have your follow account. You have the faves. You have the retweets. There is way more metrics and ways to interact with Twitter than there are in Mitomo. Mitomo is too walled off to hit. Uh, Mitomo, you answer questions and then you can like get eat candy or feed candy to people to get answers from them so you get to know your friends better yes, but, but you have to get the candy by doing matomo drop which is dumb because you only get the candy if you lose so it's not like a consolation also uh, me, uh the Mitomo drop is the hardest mini game in any game ever <laughs> it's, it's so true hard. it's horrible i don't like it i don't understand. how many hours in stardew valley destiny 110 
Okay. I wouldn't call that dabbling in Stardew Valley. Well, I mean, like, I meant since the last time we talked about oh, okay. Stardew Valley, I was you're, dabbling. You're very close to overtaking my Metal Gear Solid 5 numbers of time thrown into a pit. But you, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the patch, so that's who I am now. I'm having so much fun. Like, I have no regrets. I don't consider it throwing my time in a pit. I'm connecting with artificial nature because I'm too uh, broken to interact with it in real life. That's, that's how I've just justified this to myself. If if, uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please head over and um, buy my mixtape, Artificial Nature. It's good. <laughs> it's real good. <laughs> uh, and then I guess, uh, Jackson, what have you actually been playing? What have I been playing? I played some Lego Marvel Superheroes. You uh, wrote about that for the website. It was good. I, I guess no one lunch. listening no one listening knows that that's actually an insult phrase. <laughs> Is it really? Yes. Not even 100%. Destiny knows that's an insult. Why would you insult Jackson uh, it's, on it's, a podcast in front of I'm not insulting Jackson. No. We just both recognize that writing about video games for our website is a thing that you do that could be analogous to like making bad choices, eating fried food, playing in traffic. <laughs> throwing yourself down the stairs whatever you might want to do (laughs) writing about video games is pretty much on the same level Uh, oh yeah i've I've enjoyed that game i think it's really cool uh the thing that i wrote about which is the thought i came away with uh was that the lego games express themselves as parodies or, or like distillations of their source material uh like, the Lego Marvel is a way better way to understand why anyone would want to be into comic books uh, than the movies, which are ostensibly the mainstream adaptation of that form. Um, they just get to the heart of it better. And I thought what was interesting is that they the games also approach their, like, design in that way, in that it is all the bullshit in an Assassin's Creed, whatever, open-world, Destiny-type game, but without any of the uh, just... Uh, baggage and framing like it's just hey here's a billion things to collect because you want to collect a billion things you're not trying to do it so you have microtransactions to to buy or um trying to do it to increase your world saving number or to make your gang grow bigger it just exists for the sake of existing and it feels very honest in that way uh i just like that about those games i think it's interesting and and it's just good it's just good it is good it's good stuff Uh, i mean definitely played that. that last year uh, maybe even the year before that, and enjoyed a lot. And then we saw Age of Ultron, or not Age of Ultron, uh, Civil War yesterday. And let me tell you, Lego Marvel Superheroes is a much better argument for superheroes being good than that dumb Marvel movie. I tell me about it. I just thought it was boring, which is, yep. I guess, a bigger crime than being dumb. Uh, uh, Paul Rudd is great. Paul Rudd should just do it. Paul Rudd <laughs> acts as if he was in the spirit of Lego Marvel Superheroes, though. That's, That's true. true. That whole movie, Ant Man, is like a Lego movie in itself, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Just I like goofy. the uh, in the the video game. It's an open world game, so you can just steal cars. You're superheroes, but you can you still have to steal cars <laughs> to get around. Iron Man has to steal a car or two. I mean, you don't have to, but you can. You should. It's. I mean, option. you can fly around. Iron mm-hmm. Man can fly. You can push people. It's pretty wonderful. Oh, we I also l- played. Oh, go on. I I was just gonna continue that line. You go, you go. No, no, you were talking about Marvel still. And really, I wanted... have ne- the, the it's fine. Okay, well, I was gonna say <laughs> that M and I played Yoshi's Woolly World. We didn't finish it, but we played it. 
And it's so awesome. We started playing Kirby's paintbrush nonsense clay. I don't remember what that game's called. <laughs> Canvas Curse? Canvas Curse is the DS one. Pal- <laughs> okay, paintbrush. uh, Paintbrush per- per- Peril? Paintbrush Peril. <laughs> uh, which is a very beautiful game that is not very good, unfortunately. Like, it's fine. It's cute, and, like, it's not hard, but it's just really slow, and, like, it's the things you do aren't very interesting. And I was worried that Yoshi's Woolly World was going to be kind of similar, but Yoshi's Woolly World is, like, a real, like honest-to-goodness Nintendo platformer that still, like, can be easy, and there's ways to, like, even make it easier because it's Nintendo in 2016, but manages to provide, like, all of the, like, hiding, like, searching for secrets and level exploration and genuine fun of Nintendo's best work. It's really good. Also, it's gorgeous. It's so cute! Yeah. It's a key. I gotta get it. I gotta get it. I gotta There's get the key game. So many wool Yoshi's, and also it's just really ah, fun. Like the ah. co-op in the Kirby game was, I called it little sister mode, younger sibling mode, because um, it reminded me of when I was growing up and my youngest sister Brittany wanted to play video games with us. We would sometimes just hand her a controller that wasn't plugged in and say, "You're playing. You're playing with us." And that's how I felt about the multiplayer in the Kirby game. Destiny, some trivia for video games for you. For like a, a good five years, that was unironically usually referred to as girlfriend mode. Oh. Also, that was like said on stages. Worth noting, in Little Sister Mode, you go around and you stab needles into the waddle bees to get apples out of them. The Little uh, Sister. <laughs> <laughs> well... Well, little sister's faster than Kirby, and and they're. <laughs> I, I get that joke. That's a Bioshock joke. That is a Bioshock. That's joke. a Bioshock joke. It took me a second. I was gonna keep talking like, oh, the game. Yes, I was gonna say that. Uh, well, that one that's really offensive. Me calling it younger sibling mode is probably. Oh no, that equally... gets the spirit of it better. Yeah, but I just feel like it just that's what it reminded me of. Uh tricking britney as a kid um but the multiplayer in in yoshi's woolly world is much more um useful and you actually feel like you're contributing to the gameplay because you're you know you're equal you're not second fiddle or easy mode joe mm-hmm. you know uh, easy mode joe. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah no easy mode joe is uh my favorite punch out fighter <laughs> good i was also gonna say punch out oh wow Get me and, uh, speaking oh. of girlfriend mode i played uncharted 2 well that's what i wanted to ask you because <laughs> um uh yeah no, that that was the segue i was gonna make as well uh but i wanted to ask you specifically because i know a problem you have with uncharted 2 which you'll get to as you summarize it uh was that it just feels like the most baby game baby game that doesn't give you any room to play uh but that's also exactly what the lego game does but that's good why is that good but uncharted bad because the lego game is a not taking itself super seriously and b aimed directly at children sure i think it's i think it's more than a framing thing but Uh, like like lego games announce like their fail state is you explode and then you come back a second later and it's fine and it's like it's like very it's a safe space to like explore and play and like there's failure but not like like heavy failure you know (laughs) like if there's if there's a thing opposite dark souls the lego games are it that's Uh, very true 
Whereas Uncharted like presents itself as a serious video game for serious ass adults. And thus, every time you die, you have to go back to a checkpoint and it's all dramatic and you have to redo stuff and it's it's dumb and bad. So uh, let's back this up because I jumped the gun with the question. Why did you play Uncharted? Um, I, I really like The Last of Us. It's a good game. And people were like, oh, it builds on the stuff that Uncharted did. And I was able to borrow an Uncharted collection from a friend of the show, Rhea Dahar, who, uh, you know, Destiny does a podcast with. And she loves the Uncharted games. I was like, I'll borrow this and I'll play through on the... Because I know that the collection for PS4 has a super ultra easy baby mode where they turn off achievements and collectibles. And you supposedly... It was like... When you go to select it, it just says, I would like to see this game. <laughs> <laughs> Which implies a level of not having to play it that actually is not true. Because that game... How many times did you be, die? <laughs> it cannot be broken in the way that, like, like Mario, when they give you the suit that you can't be killed in, yeah. is, like, broken. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean broken in, like, a good way. Because sometimes it's fun to just casually go through a game. Um but Uncharted, like, while the various normal combat encounters are pretty trivial at that point, like, I don't spend almost any time in cover if I can help it, uh, there are so many turrets and so many, like, weird jumps that the camera doesn't point you in the right direction to know where to go, and outright, like, gates to your progress where you'll die for no good reason, that you actually have to kind of play it the same way everyone else does, because if you don't, the game doesn't support that sort of stuff. Uh, Jackson was on Skype with me as I entered my 7,000th combat arena and clearly saw the exit. And man, I was like, oh, I'm just going to run for it. Cause I don't want to fight these guys. And as I climbed up out of the combat arena, the game killed me for no other reason than I dared to leave the combat arena before all the men were dead. Oh, weird. Uh, Rude. I can, I can think of few games that I dislike more than uncharted two. Uh, I think it's terrible. And I, I thought uncharted one was like kind of an uninspired ripoff of Tomb Raider legend, but it was fine. Like I didn't hate it. Uh, Uncharted 2 undoes all that goodwill by being so much more intent about making sure that you are playing a cinematic-ass video game where you're basically following an NPC for half that game like it's Call of Duty. And I don't know how they... like. I don't understand why people love that game. And Jackson, you and me, or you went to go looking for like writing of the day that would like shed light on what people liked. And I guess people game just like pretty games. Uh, all I could gather is that it is the scale and beautifulness of the graphics everything looks amazing the lighting and the faces and everything uh the story is apparently really good which basically boils down to the banter sounds like an action movie that's what that means the story Um, of uncharted is like bad but passable the story of uncharted 2 makes no sense uh, and is... we, we you were playing on skype and i'd played it before and so we as we are going through the story both of us attempting to discern the motivations of the characters and there being nothing yeah there's Simply no reason nothing. why you should be doing any of the things you're doing and those things you're doing involve like using rockets like tear down a fucking city like entire city in what country is that do you go to do you remember uh, where which the... one Oh, the, the, ur- the like the urban warfare in, chapters in are. In, I think that one. I think Nepal. it might be in Nepal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a bad game. It's a really bad game. Uh, and yeah, it's it's into that, and it's the look at these set pieces. I can't believe I'm really playing this. Lots of like, oh, this was should be a cutscene, but uh, I was I was actually running away from that jeep while the camera 
uh, looked at me like it was Crash Bandicoot and we hadn't moved forward since 1994. Well, I mean, <laughs> maybe you should check out all your local polygon.com these days to see video of, no, we have not moved on because now you are spending $60 to play a level of Crash Bandicoot again. <laughs> Still. And and hilariously, it is the level where you are running away. <laughs> of course it is. It, it, I would accept nothing less. <laughs> I guess. Oh, I hate the level so much. Uh, yeah, that's uh, a, a brief... Uh, look into our confusion and bafflement at Uncharted 2. If you like Uncharted 2 and can actually tell me why it's good outside of it's very pretty and the dialogue is good. I mean, if you want to claim that the dialogue is good, please give me like examples of like how these characters are portrayed that are worthwhile and interesting. I'm I actually like I'll email you back. I'd like to have that conversation. I'd like to know what it is because yeah. I really don't understand why anyone could look at this game and find anything of value there. Maybe it isn't just, I, oh, look at all the graphics. I went to a list of, like, I went to the Wikipedia page and it was like, the game's considered the best, and it's on there. And, like, all the other ones, I don't necessarily agree with all of them, but I understand how they got there, and I can see someone writing an argument in favor of them. Uncharted 2, I just don't see it, so I'm with you. If anyone, like, I earnestly would love to know uh, people who love that game and think it qualifies why that is. Yeah, I don't, I don't even want an argument. I might ask you a few questions, but I just kind of yeah. want to hear a pitch as to why that game is good that isn't, it has all the graphics and it feels like playing an action movie because I don't, that's not enough. It wasn't enough then, it's not enough now. Yeah, I just, I want to understand because I feel like anything culturally that hits that level of uh, acceptance as being great needs to have, there's usually a reason that beyond it is technically competent. I mean, I, 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 mean I don't think true. I don't think Uncharted Two is even technically competent compared no, to its you know, predecessor. You know what I mean, though. Some oh, things Destiny... just click with people, and they just like maybe for like playing an action movie is just what was appealing at the time. Oh, sure, but I mean, like the Transformers movies, I don't like them, and they're bad. But it's it's it is understandable why they like culturally catch on to the audience. Like mm-hmm. I can, I can get it. Whereas I don't quite get that when I, or if I do get it when I look at Uncharted, I think I'm being really harsh towards that audience and writing them off. Uh, oh yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I think the stuff you listed, like other than this, I'm like, well, maybe those are the reasons. <laughs> but like the thing is, games of that generation, there are a hundred of them that do the exact same thing that people don't remember as oh, fondly. So what makes this one different? Yes. So okay. I listened to the uh, Game of the Year discussion for Giant Bomb. Uh, to, like I thought that would be a good place to get the takes on this. I remember it being about Uncharted 2 versus Batman, which history bore that one out. Uh, uh, yeah, Batman <laughs> is Batman Arkham Asylum is a great game that was uh, like unfortunately never followed up. Uh, you know, to this day, shame. waiting for a sequel it's to the Batman. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <and> Underrated <laughs> classic. Um, and the line, the most hilarious line in that entire thing was they were talking about the Jeep chase and going, this makes wet completely irrelevant. <laughs> uh, <'Cause> <laughs> I feel like you saying that right now is the only time anyone has mentioned wet in 2016. What is uh, wet? Exactly. It is, a, it is a bad video game from Bethesda Softworks. Oh, they published it. They didn't, they didn't actually develop it. So. Okay. Uh, it is another one of these types of games. You know what's a good one of these? Uh, wrapping up this discussion, I want to say how good Enslaved is. Enslaved is really good. Rise of the Tomb Raider is an exceptional game. Mm-hmm. It, it is. It builds on Uncharted 2 in the right ways, but actually has good writing and uh, plays well. So, you know, those are bon- the bonuses. Yeah. Cool. Well, that I think, wraps I think, that up. Yeah, I think that's it. That might be our longest segment one ever. Look that can't be true. 
maybe episode one when we were haltingly introducing ourselves go check out episode one <laughs> listen to so us say things that basically you know? aren't true about our lives anymore <laughs> Our game club for this month is Hitman Blood Money, uh, which came out in 2006. It's a stealth game by IO Interactive, published by Eidos, I guess Square at this point. Uh, it is I, the. F- I loaded the what? game. It said Square Enix Presents. It is the fourth Hitman game. Uh, that's yes. correct, right? Uh, yes. And uh, well regarded as like a classic of the stealth genre. Jackson, you picked this kind of because it's one of those like vegetable games, I feel like. In a lot of ways. I wanted to understand it. I have heard it talked about as... Uh, I wouldn't even say a classic of the stealth genre. I would just say a classic of the Hitman genre. <laughs> um, I mean, like, anyone who plays stealth games, anyone who was playing games at this time, either didn't play this game or loves it, basically. Yep. Yeah. I have not heard a, this game is bad take. Yeah. Uh, so I want to say... And I want to with, understand it. With new Hitman in the air, we were like, why don't we save ourselves $60 and just play this old game that we already owned? Uh, that's <laughs> what I thought. And we did. Hooray! Fun fact, it was one of the first PlayStation 2 games that we ever got in my family. And I didn't play it back then because it looked boring. Uh, so, <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, in the game, you are playing uh, the Hitman, Agent 47. Him of the bald hair and uh, barcode bald on the back hair. of his neck. Bald hair. Uh, <laughs> and a plot happens in which some people talk about some stuff in some cutscenes. But I, like I, I read the Wikipedia summary like right before recording this, and I still barely remember what happened. All right, here we go. So, uh, Hitman is—he's the Hitman. He's being a really cool Hitman, and the U.S. government could not have this. Uh, so they set up a, a plot to take out the agency because they want to uh, transfer the cloning facilities or the, the cloning process that made Hitman uh, and like remove that and do their own cloning. So they own clones forever. And Hitman is the other type of clone, so they have to wipe him out. And that, uh, uh, you, you kill a lot of people. It's really, it's really bad. It's such a bad story. 
But okay, this is what I think happens. Okay, so you you're the hitman. <laughs> yes. And they're like, "Oh, we need to get you to America, hitman." And hitman's like, "Okay." <laughs> and then and actually it's like a story within a story cuz you've got this guy being like, "We tracked hitman for 2 years." It's like Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> So he's telling the story of the hitman. So that's all your missions are stories of the hitman and then at the end there's some crazy stuff are we going to talk about that i didn't play to the end but i read about it and i don't even understand how that happened (laughs) so it's not good what hitman actually is is you load up a menu screen and some british lady says welcome agent 47 today you have to kill these three people uh this guy like molests children this guy's an arms smuggler and this is their henchman they're all going to be in this this casino (laughs) <laughs> and then you get your silver ballers uh, because you are the ultimate baller and you go in there and you fucking kill everyone by putting on a cavalcade of a outrageous disguises and then you leave that's what you do that's uh, what the game's story actually is outrageous disguises like security guard and or chicken. vip security guard <laughs> <laughs> you knew what i was going or for security guard first class yep. <laughs> uh so yeah it's like part of it is 2006 but part of it is i like jackson you looked this up a little bit hitman has always had a problem where the things you do in the game have nothing to do with the actual story they're telling until the very end and then it's bad so the hitman games uh have this struggle with their construction in that the things that they are interested in both in the way that you play them and narratively are the mundanity and the day-to-day of it uh you can tell throughout this game that the game is way more interested with the idea of hitman as this professional person who exists gets an order does a job and comes home so a lot of the cutscenes just oh hitman this is where hitman was when hitman got the briefing um like that's actually where it concerns itself narratively but then in a in a completely separate room uh, as is with most of these games uh you realize oh they're all connected for some reason and the final level is always the reason everything is connected together and you have to kill someone really important uh and in the first game that is you killing the person who made you and then he gets an assassin's creed monologue which is like the only plot in the whole game uh as you realize that oh everyone that you killed along the way were the people who like he was him killing off his competition and you didn't know until now but it's always revealed in the in the in the ending, and the actual process of playing Hitman is completely devoid from the plot of Hitman, which is an experience they put next to uh, the Hitman games. But they never they never combine because whenever they combine, like the White House level in this one, it's it's bad. It's bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I guess we should talk about the framework of actual Hitman gameplay then, which is. Uh, you like ostensibly it is a stealth game though you do very little like looking for sight lines and ducking around corners hitman is a game so much about existing in a like a very artificial clockwork world in which you try to insert yourself without being noticed which usually involves a disguise not always but mostly just involves trying to act normal standing around until someone puts themselves in a position where you can have them have an accident yeah. That accident might be just running into your razor wire, but, you know, accidents. Uh, and, well, the definition of accident is the uh, where the game's, like, artificiality comes into play the most. Because, mm-hmm. uh, although you would think it's all about, oh, making, setting everything right, making sure you don't get spotted, it's actually really forgiving about 
whether you're acting right or not because the world is not it's not you trying to act like this world is real uh it's like i said this clockwork world that is how it is like i committed an accident an accidental death by walking into a closed room with someone like walking into a room closing the door pushing them into a tiny pool of water walking out of the room past a crowd of people and all of them were like what happened to this man (laughs) (laughs) and that was fine as long as no one knows and there's not like a gunshot in them you're fine yep uh But what's interesting, like, part of this is you get, like, it's a game about moving through very discrete states of, I am standing here, I am dressing up, I am, act like, interacting with this door, I am putting poison in this cake, whatever the various things you do are. And the game, like, for a player is about finding your path in a world in which there are multiple paths that are supported, including, I guess, just kind of shooting the people and running away. Uh, I did not play the game that way because I am pathologically unable to play a stealth game that way. It uh, sounds really hard, to be perfectly honest. It's really with hard. This specific game. It is not. A, it's not a feasible way to play a video game. I don't think they want you to play it that they, way. They do not. They, they are give way you too the enamored. Option, but... They're way too enamored with the idea of the, this big box of puzzles of like crazy things to do. Uh, I poison someone's cake. That's not a thing that happens once. I poison someone's cake three levels in a row. Because, uh, you know, funny. you can always poison something. Yeah, there's always something to poison. I blew up someone's room while they were cooking. I did that, yes. Did you poison a sausage at all? I did poison... No, I, I used the sausage to get a dog to stand under uh, a light rig so the person would come and collect them so the light rig would fall on them. You could drug a sausage to put a dog to sleep. You I can do, do that. that. You can do that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can. Things you can do in Hitman. Yes, you can. So, part of the joy of Hitman is because it is such a like puzzle box clockwork world. Like the morality of it is like totally stripped from the game. Like games, especially of this era, but still today, do a lot of legwork to try to like justify your acts of violence in the world. But in reality, like, you're set up, you're a hitman, you go and you kill people, and it's fine because it all kind of feels like a weird stage play. That's one of my favorite things about it is that uh, rather than moralizing either way of like, oh, I can't believe you're evil in the hitman or, oh, I can't believe you're uh, like killing, like you're doing everything for the right reasons, you're saving the day, you're the hitman. Uh, it, it it just treats like uh, Hitman's job as that as like this is what this is what this man does in this world and it uh, applies that level of dispassionate uh, dispassion. That's not a, I need something to end that anyway. Uh, it feels very clinical uh, in how you approach the world around you and and so doing doesn't like you said doesn't make it uh, this morality statement on what you are doing, but instead becomes about the actions themselves and the world that you exist in. Uh, but because of that you get the ridiculous set of circumstances where you are enacting great violence in a world that then becomes a slapstick comedy because of the things you're doing. That's In which, like, I dressed up as a priest after I choked out said priest uh, to conduct a wedding in which I had already killed the groom when I set the wedding in motion. So everyone's just kind of standing there waiting for the groom to show up, except he is dead. And then I got away on a boat. (laughs) Uh, yeah. I just left them all standing there in the chapel and ran to the boathouse. <laughs> That's uh, I'm trying to think of trying to think of cool things that I had to put. So there's the um, uh, what other levels were there? There's the there's the one in the um, rehab center. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
That's the one where I pushed the I pushed the guy into the water. I blew up someone's room. What was the third kill in that? Did you drop a chandelier on him while he was nipping alcohol from the globe? No, instead I stood directly behind him, pushed a weight onto his chest and had him choke on it. Oh, that guy. Yeah, you can totally get a guy in the weight room. That one's good too. (laughs) And just walked out of the weight room while no one one saw me touch him, but I was the only one there. Yeah, no, you're the world's worst spotter. Agent 47, (laughs) never ask him to be your gym buddy. No, never do it. Uh, I blew up the chandelier on the... um, after I shot a guy in a play, or someone else, shot, I caused someone else to be yes, shot. Yes, the play. best, like very early on, one of the best, like accidental deaths is just swapping a stage gun for a real gun, and then in the middle of this rehearsal for an opera, as they shoot the hero, as he's like at the firing squad, he actually dies, and it's amazing. That's pretty good. Uh, I watched that from the rafters and felt great delight. Yep. <laughs> I did the same thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Hitman is a weirdly silly construct uh, when it's not like the most obtuse set of systems, which I suppose we should talk about. I uh, ended up really liking this game. I think the last couple missions are really bad. Uh, we'll, I think you both will talk about it more than I will, but the tutorial does very little to teach you how to actually play the video game. What tutorial? Uh, there is a totally a tutorial mission that teaches you the controls. Not much else, but the controls. Yeah, it teaches you the uh, controls it's... and the approach to a completely different game. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Essentially, yeah, a very uh, straightforward, go get the guy, and this is uh, how you can get around in this environment kind of a tutorial. Yeah, and it then teaches now... you how to... Oh, oh go you on. Go. You go. I was just going to say, and then once you get out, you're like, oh, I'm going to do that again a bunch. This is going to be a fun game. And you get out of that tutorial into your first real mission, and you're like, well, overwhelmed. You're just like, what? I gotta do brain surgery and I only took one chemistry class? What? Yeah. Uh, so, one of the things that like I knew going in was, and maybe this is just like the benefit of knowing the discourse uh, is the Hitman is a game in which you basically have to make a run that is like your recon run and then reload a save because there's no way to understand oh, the yeah. world without that. That became very uh, clear to me. Yeah, it took on. me a while to get that and appreciate it. Like I genuinely, like I, I did end up quitting because it was just a really difficult game. But I think it's really cool how yeah you kind of feel the environment, get a feel for the environment, figure out the p- routines of the people around you, and then kind of work from there. Like that's really cool. But I just wish the tutorial had given you more of an idea of like more of a taste of that instead of what it, it what doesn't was. it doesn't build that the actual flow of playing the game into the uh, the way it presents the approach of the game uh it's because you load up on a level and it's like okay begin this level but it doesn't indicate to you that you should be uh treating it with that kind of rhythm so you, ju- you just kind of feel lost especially at the start before you have a handle on things mm-hmm uh you just expect uh, more hand-holding, and then when it's not there, you just feel completely lost. But... Well, the thing is, it's it's kind of there in that you have the uh, intel in the game that just basically says, hey, here's points of interest that you should in, like, deal with. That like, you have to pay for. Yeah, but I eventually realized that oh, yeah, I need to buy that every time, because it's not like I was upgrading my shotgun. <laughs> oh, I had a guide, so I just looked at that. But, well, yeah, yeah, it was it was frustrating. 
What's interesting, and maybe Jackson, you'll know because you looked into the previous games. Is this like a byproduct of just the era it was released, or is Hitman because it was like a weird PC game, right? Originally, yes. Uh, is it just finicky in a way that like even games of its era were not? I feel like that's probably closer to the truth. Column A, column B. Okay, because like, like uh, you think of a game like Metal Gear Solid, and like it can be finicky, but it reads so much easier. And even something like Deus Ex, like the stealth in that game, like is simple and makes sense and doesn't have the kind of machinations that Hitman does. Its origins as a PC uh, franchise for people who wanted something to poke at and see, like it is a game that encourages you to poke at it and see what happens, and that is the joy of it. So when you approach it as something to uh, go through without treating each level as something to experiment with uh, it, uh, it it kind of falls apart but it definitely comes from that space of where it was made I think uh, that's a uh, tangent but I think that's why the Hitman's the new Hitman's episodic uh, idea sounds really good to me because the idea of saying no this is one level and you're going to play with that level until the next one comes out a month from now uh, is the ideal way to present the design of Hitman to a modern audience to encourage the flow of it yeah like in a lot of ways this game has more in common with almost like the scenarios in a sim game than it does like an actual narrative video game in which there's levels that you go through in a normal progression for sure you know get 500 visitors in your park by year two (laughs) uh it's closer to like a hitman level i'd play hitman tycoon uh hitman tycoon how many bald men will you make all of them 47 Oh, 40. Yeah, sure. That's a lot for the park. <laughs> I feel like you walked into that one. <laughs> no, I really did. I really did. Good job. Thanks. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I think that stuff's really fascinating. Uh, going to it, like, kind of knowing its reputation, but having bounced off of this game a couple times when I tried to play it in the past, uh, I'm glad it finally clicked. I feel like my journey with abnormal mapping has been, oh, I really like stealth games. I didn't realize that that was the case, but I really like stealth games. I'm just that person. Uh, yeah, that's been a part of my journey as well. Go check out uh, Dishonored Halloween and Jackson's multiple Metal Gear things. <sighs> multiple is underselling it. <laughs> uh, there are five podcasts. Thank you. I'm recommending those. There are, yep. Thank you. Uh, so... What was I saying? I completely lost my way. <laughs> no, that's all right. Uh, we want, anyone want to talk about favorite levels? Uh, Destiny, I know you ended up watching a lot of this on YouTube, so you probably don't have a yeah, favorite here. I don't. So, Jackson, what is your favorite level? And please do not step on mine or I'll be very sad. Um, I was going to say the uh, rehab one, probably. Oh, really? Why that one? Because I... I feel like you, when you played it, you were not happy with it. When I first played it, I wasn't happy with it, but it was the one that okay. I came back to, like, about... It was the one that I stopped playing the game for about a week of on, and then I came oh. back to it, having already played it and let the, the... Like, just not by not thinking about it, but having experienced it once, the rhythm of the level is, like, set into my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I went through and I, I perfectly stealth-godded that level, uh, it was very satisfying. Um uh, it has moments like the fact that I could set that bomb to go off, get my suit, wait by the exit, hear the bomb, and then leave with my friend uh, was very cool. I'm trying to think mm-hmm. of other other levels. I like the um, wedding level quite a bit. The wedding level is really interesting in that, like, 
it feels like that one for me, I felt like uh, like a lot of the spaces, I felt like it felt like the most exposed you are in like almost the entire game. Oh, for sure. Uh, just because there's always people running in and out of rooms. And then uh, I don't know how you ended up assassinating the father, but like I did it basically like standing to the side of a giant party and hoping my silencer would hold up enough to let me do it. Yep. No, <laughs> I, it I, I was in the house and I just kind of shot him while no one was around. Uh, okay. Because I did it while he was out in the graveyard. And basically had to just kind of stay, like, I couldn't get to the graveyard space. I had to shoot over a fence. But there was a party literally, like, 30 feet away from me. And mm-hmm. I just, was just praying nobody noticed. Uh, well, and I poisoned the dude's cake. And was like, I'm going. I just ran in, poisoned his cake. Uh, uh, that's pretty good. Because <laughs> he, he has I, to uh, steal a bit of the cake. I, uh, for the way I was playing, I didn't get to him in time to get the cake. Mm-hmm. And so I barged into the room to poison the cake as he was tasting the cake. So <laughs> I ended up poisoning him instead, <laughs> which worked just as well. <laughs> oh, that's a good encapsulation of why Hitman's great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my favorite level is the uh, suburb where there's like a witness protection, like mob guy. Uh, living with his wife and there's just a bunch of FBI agents and mob types around and uh, that is really interesting because it depicts like this really like well rendered but incredibly artificial version of like 50s Americana it's almost like that level in Psychonauts with the milkman uh, when you start because there's just, like there's a guy that jogs this like very obvious Truman Show-esque route around the level and there's like a clown that's like coming t- for like a party but he I think he might have the wrong house I actually can't tell what's yeah, going on with the clown no why he comes up to the door party like um that would necessitate a clown well, there's some there? yeah there is a party because there's a caterer but there's like it, the only people there are adults so it doesn't make any sense yeah it's super uh, weird but like the weird setup of that story told like there's a fbi listening van right outside and the caterer is bringing in food to the mob party gives a like is sent a like sends a box of donuts over to the fbi van implying that he knows that the fbi is just waiting outside listening to him and doesn't really care uh which allows you to like poison the donuts and then all the fbi guys are dead and you can take an fbi suit and get in but that one uh my one of my favorite costume changes is you can go and get the pool boy costume who's just like this doofus guy hanging around by the pool cleaning it and when you get that the wife will come out and you have to get microfilm from around her neck and instead of killing her she basically is like hey come upstairs and leads you into the house in a way that like that outfit you can't actually be in the house unless she's leading you uh and leads you up to her bedroom where she falls asleep instead of seduces you because she's drunk and you take it from her neck without having to kill her and I liked the ways in which, like, this absurd, like, melodrama situation allows you to get the things you want out of the level. Uh, the idea that switching to the pool boy would actually allow you to get access to the place and this item is ludicrous. But it yeah. with, with, Like, without murdering her, even. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's really great. No, because when you uh, described that level to me, it was like, this is a, they've made a, they've systemized a Coen Brothers movie. Yeah. And, like, oftentimes that's kind of what the world around you feels like, where everybody is just a little too arch and a little too, like, not quite, not stereotypical, but, like, falls into these, like, archetypes of human beings in which it feels like you were just an agent of chaos thrown into an otherwise, like, goofy movie that isn't about these people being murdered until you show up. Mm -hmm. It's like you came into the second act of some movie that was about something else entirely and disrupted everything. (laughs) Yep. That, that checks out. Uh, the reason I don't have as much fondness for the suburb level is that was the one I shot my way through. 
Yeah, uh, which, which I would was... like you to explain to me because I don't even understand how you shoot your way through a level in this game. Um, uh, so I was I was sneaking well. I I snuck behind the, the house. Uh, there was the nosy neighbor who was the first person that saw me because of course, uh-huh. uh, cutting their hedge. I was like, God damn it, good job, well done. <laughs> um, uh, and then um, the FBI guy came up, and then someone saw me take my take a suit. So then all the FBI guys are on me. So I'm like, I'm uh, uh, before this I had been shooting my way for a little bit uh, just as a exercise before I got mowed down because I always. You, you 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 die very fast in this game, uh, but somehow I happened to not die. Just ran into the house, just ran straight in. All the FBI guys in the world behind me, um, uh, kill uh, the main dude. He's just standing there, baffled as one suited man followed by an army of identical suited men run into his house and shoot him. <laughs> and then i just kind of it's, this isn't a good game moment because i just turn around and as each of these men come through the door i just kind of shoot as many of them as i can and Whoa. but the, yeah but the hilarious part of that is eventually because bodies don't disappear it's just 50 fbi guys in one dude's hallway <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good just, just strewn about this uh, it was especially Harris in this level because it's just this perfect constructed fake suburbia and just all the dead bald suited men that you could see and then I just walk upstairs to where the wife is like oh no please don't kill me shoot her and then then my alert goes down because <laughs> there's like, no one left to see you no one left to see me and I just casually walk out with my item over the bodies of an entire FBI army <laughs> nod at the guy jogging and open the door and walk away <laughs> that's pretty good Wow. And, and that was the moment where I was like okay I can see how the shooter parts of this game like might be fun but I don't it's not really a game that when something goes wrong you can improvise and that's interesting uh, mm-hmm uh, that's very rare for that to happen. All right. Um, any final thoughts about Hitman? Otherwise, I feel like we should probably leave it at that. I think I might go back to it uh, and and play around with it a little more when I'm a little more focused. Because I love it. I love the the idea of what it's trying to do. I just, you know me. I, I get. I would recommend. Frustrated. I would recommend that in a year or so, uh, when the new hitman game is cheap and affordable that you two just try it out together that seems like a game where if you're sitting around going hey do this do this especially in the new one which is uh doesn't require a guide as much that would probably be really fun that actually does sound like a lot of fun yep. maybe we will. yeah I, i'm definitely going to play the new one at some point i loaded up like oh i might pick that up and then it was 44 pounds yeah no that's a that's a real video game it costs real money i don't want to pay that real money <laughs> no thank you so, uh, yeah, Hitman Blood Money. It's a classic, probably for a reason. I feel like no other stealth games do the thing that Hitman does. Uh, and that alone is worth commenting on, because uh, stealth, I feel like, is a genre where I, almost every idea feels overexplored by a thousand games. I'm just sure. so impressed by the range of options that they offer. I also just appreciate that I don't have to, like, look at a mini-map full of vision cones the entire time. <laughs> Never do you have to do that. Not once. Yeah, it's really nice.
for our final segment, we have questions. Uh, I was going to say we have questions, you have answers, but no, that's not actually how it works. <laughs> People sent us questions. You can send us questions to podcast at normalmapping.com, correct? Podcast at normalmapping.com. And uh, you can ask about anything you want. Uh, that'd be cool. We like to answer questions as long as, you know, they're considered questions. Don't send us dumb ones. Dylan? Dylan? Dylan. 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 But we have some good questions this time. Uh, at least the ones I know about. There's one I don't know about. So, Jackson, why don't you give us some questions? Uh, Alan has a question. Alan Ibrahim on Twitter uh, asks, What is so special about the player fantasy of being a silent assassin? Why do we like that? And how does Blood Money convey that? So, I think the thing that is actually really interesting about video games, despite them being power fantasies, it's almost never about actually giving you the tools to be hyper-competent about anything. And Hitman is a game in which you can become incredibly hyper-competent about everything. Yes. Where, like, if you know what you're doing, you can be in and out of any of these levels in about five minutes and no one will have seen you and you will have done everything perfectly. And it feels amazing to be able to exploit the system that you've been given that way. Uh, it's like a really good run in, like, like a game like Trial or something. Like, you can just know it and do it, and it feels incredibly instinctual. And for all of the I am a big, powerful, shooty man video games, oftentimes that means I'm going to spend most of my time hiding behind cover until my health regenerates, like Uncharted. Or I am going to, like, trudge up to someone and chainsaw them, like a Gears of War. But it's not the swift, like, exemplars of like hyper competence it doesn't reward that kind of knowledge in the way that some the hitman i feel like is really singular about rewarding uh for sure uh i would i agree with that i think that hitman is a game that allows you to feel like a professional doing a task that only that person can do um and mm -hmm. that is more the fantasy there than the specifics of being a murderer uh it's it, um, <clears throat> it's very rare that a game's fan like the core fantasy appeal of a game is actually the textual thing you do. Uh, I don't think like it, it doesn't tap into anyone's desire to be a murderer. <clears throat> it's like you said, it taps into people's desire to feel that competence and have mastery of systems and yeah, feel super too. smooth and and like you got in, you got out, you did the jump. Yeah. Uh, one of the games I would compare uh, Hitman to is actually Trauma Center, which is a DS game that is a doctor simulator, but it's actually like really hard as it gets towards its end game. And what that involves doing is basically playing the game and failing up to a certain point over and over again until you basically know what you need to do in terms of operations before the game asks you to do it. But once you can do that, it's like your runs are failures until they're perfect. And that level of like request of competency is something that hitman's really good at it's like you can kind of fudge your way through it especially if you're playing on easy but really what the game wants you to do is fail until you're perfect yeah and i, I yeah. like i like the feeling of being perfect i when i was playing hitman i went from being a frustrated like what the fuck am i doing i like this game doesn't want me to or, or i was like i am a death god i cannot be touched i am the greatest <laughs> uh, there was no in between uh Whereas lots of games, I feel like, uh, want to stay in that middle section all the time. Like Uncharted specifically, wants to be is a like it's an unpower fantasy. The fantasy of Uncharted is that you are all, always like two steps from being dead, and it's that that like rush. Hitman, you you're never there's never going to be a rush like that because you are too good at your fucking job. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next question. Our next question comes from uh, Brogan Hackett. 
it says what do you think of games that are just fun toys to play with and uh, not telling a story or saying anything um i like i like them a lot i think of like something like uh like, okay, this may be not fair, but I would count Proteus as maybe my like go-to example for that. Proteus is actually trying to say something, but I think the way I appreciate it is as like a weird musical toy. But even something like Luminez, or not Luminez, uh, what's that name? What's that game, Jackson? The DS game that was like the weird musical Medius. game. No, the one that like... Oh, was... fuck. It, no, uh, Electroplankton. Uh, Electroplankton. I was like, Electbits? No, it's not Electbits. That's something else. No, that, that's a bad Wii game. Uh, <laughs> something yeah, entirely. Something like Electroplankton or even like some of the weird stuff you unlock in WarioWare. Like, I like games that exi- like exist that way. I, as a person who has a huge backlog and like this weird pressure to complete things, I feel like I never spend the time I wish I would on those sorts of experiences. Um, and that's my fault and the fault of society more than it is the fault of any of those games. Uh, but in the minutes I spend toying with them, I enjoy them quite a bit. Uh, I feel like I need to spend more time like in Ichio because Ichio is just made up of those beautiful things. Mm-hmm. I think Destiny? all three of us approve of them. Like, um, like tinkering around with something that's always going to be appealing to me. Uh, yeah, you spent a bunch of time in uh, be a great art, become a great artist in ten seconds. Yeah, which is totally one best. of those. Yeah, I love it so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I would. I think I think the one part of the question that we're like uh, not necessarily one hundred percent on is the idea that something like can be not have something to say. Like that's inherent in the way uh, a game would position itself. But like to more the spirit of it. I think they're. I think they're great. I, I am with you, uh, M, and that I don't want to. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm wasting my time a lot of the time. But we've. This is that's the. If you go back to episode one, we're probably still talking about that back then. Yeah. I think. I think games exist that don't have a whole lot to say. Games exist. That, games do exist that don't have a whole lot to say. But I don't like by something's very existence. It means something. But like. Take take a game like uh, Car on a Stick. We both played that, right? And that's like a cool toy. But, like, it's not saying anything. It just sure. exists. Sure. Uh, that's, like, a perfect example of a game that's, like, r- incredibly pleasant, totally worth your time, uh, Is doesn't really have any states of, like, failure or success, so it is basically a toy, uh, but doesn't say anything. It's not, like, conveying a mood or anything like uh, like any of the other, like, Proteus is about something really ca- explicit. Car on a stick is conveying a mood. Yeah, I suppose. It's conveying a mood of, ah! <laughs> yeah, I guess. Like, I guess, I, like, at some point you have to question, like, when does conveying mood, like, wh- what is saying something entail? Yeah, and that's, that's like, yeah, a that's bigger question, I, mean. I think. Huge. Yeah. Uh, I would I would feel wrong saying that certain games aren't saying anything. I don't know. That feels weird. But I, the other alt extreme of saying that everything is as uh, message-focused, right? B- because... Uh, that's also an uncomfortable way. I don't know if that's a bigger discussion than the question segment of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, thank you for the questions. Thank you. Yes, of course. Uh, you can send us to the, any questions you have to Jackson again to podcast at abnormalmapping.com. Okay, good. Uh, and that brings us to our final bit that we, I guess, teased for a second in the beginning. Uh, it's going to be in the text of this. Uh, we have an announcement. Suckers, I if guess. you didn't go look, look at that. Uh, things to uh, th- things to talk about. So we've been doing this podcast for... 
Is it almost three years, Jackson? Or is it, it almost is. four years? No, it's almost three years. In October, okay, it will be. It will have been three years. And uh, when we created a remote mapping, I had like a very clear idea of what I wanted this podcast to be. Like, I was tired of listening to people try to poorly explain games that they had played this week for a podcast to each other um, and not actually talk about the games themselves. And I felt like the only way to fix that was like a game club that everyone sat down and played the same thing. And we just talk about that game. And that's all like, that's what the podcast is. That's what it's got to be because there's a thousand. Let's talk about the news and new games of the week podcasts. And they're fine. I enjoy them a lot, but we have nothing to contribute to that because we don't have the funds and we don't have the energy to be that. Uh, And I feel like we've done 49 really good episodes trying to do that. Um, But for me, uh, as the host of this, like there comes a time where it's like we spend a lot of energy, not just playing the games, but like organizing this, thinking of ways to make it better, uh, recording and editing all the like time and like money, like actual resources that are put into this. And when like you look at what our audience is, it's good. We have we have a pretty steady amount of listeners and they seem like very nice people. And we've said this multiple times. Uh, yes. Uh, wouldn't trade them for the world. Well, we trade them for more of you, is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> like I, like I wanted, I want to believe. I still want to believe that there is a place in the world for this kind of podcast to exist that people would enjoy and listen to. Like even if you don't like, aren't super into like I don't play games every day, but I'll listen to this because I'll learn something about a game I didn't know about. I think we're really good at that. Um, but it, it's just not like the expenditure of time and energy just isn't equaling out the way that it used to. Uh, because we all, you know, it's been almost three years and we all have different interests. We all have things we want to do. And it becomes a question of like, should we keep doing this thing when it's clearly not growing or going anywhere? Uh, despite all the efforts that we know how to do, like we can't like pay for advertisements on other podcasts or something. I wouldn't want to do that anyway. That's kind of weird. Uh, The, The conversation of this basically became, uh, the effort we're putting in is a lot for the like audience that we have uh not saying that you're not worth it i'm saying that uh it's um it's hard to justify the amount of time and money it costs to uh, produce podcasts like this uh if if it's not your job or at least a part of your job um and we looked into like okay how could we improve that and all of the ways that would uh theoretically increase our audience would involve changing the podcast into something we didn't want it to be uh, which we've been really resistant towards for a long time and yeah we 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 had ideas like um you know tried i would try to start buying game new games and getting guests and talking about like, but then that wouldn't be the thing we're doing and we'd just be something else in order to get a few more people and that felt that would be demoralizing in a whole different way yeah and like trolling for famous guests is nice i like we know we we know enough people who write about video games that we could probably get some decent names in here uh if we asked but like ultimately that's only like a that's only like a stopgap and like we don't even get all the people who follow us on Twitter to listen to this, much less like randos. I like I don't I don't know what to do. And so it became a point where we were like, well maybe we should just shut it down. And uh that was the state of things for a couple weeks. Uh and this was very much going to be the last episode of normal mapping. Um and I feel like me and Jackson kind of talked ourselves out of it. Uh the At announcement some point. is that this is not the last episode. It is not the last episode of Normal <laughs> Mapping, but um, 
it is the last episode of normal mapping as it exists now and more to the point destiny it is the last episode of normal mapping for you yes that is wait uh, you want to talk about why you are no longer continuing this journey with us i just i i love video games but i can't make them work i can't have them consume the time that they do consume it's really hard on me. I'm going through a lot of stuff. I have a lot of other projects on the burner and I've been putting a lot of things off and they've been getting in the way of like everything from like self-care to just, you know, my other podcasts. So, uh, I, I think it's just time for me to step down. Like I clearly will keep playing games and, uh, listening to this and whatever, uh, form it takes but I just I can't be a part of it anymore uh, yeah which is a bummer for all of us uh, I mean we hang out with Destiny all the time obviously uh, and that's not <laughs> going to change <laughs> yeah. but, I hope not but uh, no like I always thought that like getting you on the podcast was a big boon because getting someone who like plays a game like you play games but you're not like a games person not in the way that like me and Jackson have been forged by the stupid internet fires of being into video games for far too long of our lives. Uh, and I think that's like a really valuable perspective, even if it means that we had to kind of basically drag you from through games that you didn't have a whole lot of enthusiasm for. I think that idea has a lot of merit, but the ask for anybody to do the kind of podcast we're doing is if it's too great for me and Jackson, it's definitely too great for you when you don't care as much as we did to begin with anyway. Yeah. Uh, I feel bad. Cause I did really gun for this position. Cause I knew you were looking for other people to sit there and be the third chair. And I was like, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then once I got in, it was way more, I, I bit off more than I could chew. And not to say that it wasn't worthwhile. I learned a lot. It, helped me appreciate games on this level that I did not have even as I played them a ton growing up um and I don't regret any of it and I wouldn't be against coming back every once in a while I just you know I, I can't make it like a regular thing yeah uh so yeah for me and Jackson what the podcast is going to become is anybody's guess uh we are going to at least put out once a month one a month uh there will be another one at the end of June uh but we are not going to do a game club uh, for the foreseeable future. Uh, I have kind of convinced myself that we're never going to be able to keep that up forever. Uh, that we'll eventually start doing the exact same thing we were doing again. Because I, I mean... don't have faith in myself. But <laughs> the, the, goal, the goal is not to uh, change like deliberately. Like The goal was never to change the format. The goal was to change the uh, amount of effort uh the amount of time and effort it was expending on our lives and then let the format arise from that so if we both end up playing the same game we'll talk about it and i guess there won't be any difference to the listeners but it'll just be a little less formalized and a little bit more yeah. of a uh a little bit less of an intense effort for us um which uh means it'll be a bit more of a casual show probably but we don't know we'll yep. be back uh, Jack Jackson mentioned that we didn't want to change the format we'd rather let it go than let it be the thing that we didn't want it to be but I guess maybe that's not true maybe that's just a failure of our willpower to stand like for me I see it as a failure of my willpower to stand by my principles but this is a fun thing I like doing with Jackson it keeps we, me playing video games we're not it changing keeps me from we're not changing the format into like I'm not going to discuss Doom next week no 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 I know but I like 
moving away from the game club is like a big deal to me at least yeah like I, I know. it's a thing that like i take this on as like a like i feel like the podcast not being successful and needing this change for my own sanity is like a sign of personal failure uh mm-hmm. which is like it's fine i'll get over it uh it sucks though um if people want like but i mean here like the benefits are uh we are not going to be killing ourselves doing this podcast hopefully probably uh, we get to play more diverse games. Me and Jackson and Destiny are probably still going to do informal game clubs, just not on the podcast. We're going to go through Knights of the Old Republic this summer. We're going to play Final Fantasy VI at the end of the year. And we'll probably get Destiny on to talk about those games with us, or we'll at least talk about those games. Um, and uh, maybe in the future we'll actually get more guests in, because asking people to show up on a podcast but also have played the exact same video game we're playing on a deadline is impossible. That's, Don't ever that's, do this. That's where that fell apart. Uh, we look forward to the uh, mass effect. <laughs> no, <laughs> like we had great, uh, energy. Like we had the people who came on, like Heather came on and Lana came on and Mike Joffe came on, but you know, it wasn't a game club, but Mike was very nice to give us his time and energy. Uh, those people like did a lot of work to be there and do the things with us. Uh, and we, we had nothing to give them because they were all more famous than we are. Uh, when we asked them, uh, and you know, like in Heather's case, she's way more famous than we are now but still manages to talk to us on Twitter. So I feel I feel good about the friends we made along the way. Um, yeah, it's never about fame. It's just about, you know. Look, like this costs money and time. I'd like more people to listen to it. If you have uh, ideas about what we could do with this new format, send us emails or hit us up on Twitter. If you want a guest, maybe, let drop us a line. Uh, we're not going to say yes to everybody. We're not going to say yes to most people. But if we know you or you're cool... Uh, you know, maybe we'll talk about it. If you have something you want to bring to the podcast, if you're a longtime fan or something, Jackson's Metal Gear podcast with people that probably would never have been on otherwise have been like very good at showing that we could just have nice, cool talks about video games with folk that like we don't have like this death spiral ride or die of video games relationship with like me and Jackson do. You're very selective because you want it to be a good fit. It's not because you're snobs or weirdos. It's just. I mean, I, I'm a snob, but I, mean, I, I don't want it to be a good fit. To... <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Changing the podcast of the snob. What I'm the saying weirdo. is that I don't know what it's going to become, and we're going to be touch and go for a couple months. And maybe we decide that this is all garbage and we let it go uh, eventually again. But so, we're going to give it a shot. But the opportunity on your behalf uh, is that what. It, any feedback you possibly have or anything you like about the show or haven't liked about the show, uh, please let us know, add us on Twitter or write it in. Uh, and cause it'll all be taken in as we change and go forward uh, uh, and go forward and kind of figure out our new identity. So just let us, any feedback at all is helpful. And, uh, Oh, the obvious thing. If you like the podcast, Please, please, please share it with people who you think will like the podcast. Uh, like, the reason that we're changing up is we hope to make it something that, like, takes less energy to, like, people to, like, come on board with. Because you look at our podcast list and you're like, oh, I haven't played any of these games. I can't listen to these episodes. I know that happens because I feel that way about, like, book clubs and movie podcasts and stuff. Uh, and hopefully we're getting away from very specific deep dives on individual games will help that. Um, if it doesn't, well, who knows? We'll figure it out as we go. But uh, thank you to everybody who's been listening, of course. And uh, thank you for continuing to listen if you do. And uh, all the feedback you have as we go forward with something else. Uh, otherwise, the, pod, the the website's still up. 
the let's plays will continue at, at whatever staggered pace they've been going. Uh, Jackson is probably done with Mega Man by the time this goes up. I and thought I'll be playing w- something in the mornings. I thought they wouldn't continue, and then I woke up and recorded thirteen episodes of Doom, and then I was like, I guess they're continuing. Yeah, I was like, oh, what's this? I guess. I mean, Jackson's I'm gonna play all those Castlevania games come hell or high water. So that's true. Bless your heart. We have we have weekend plans that will have already happened by the time this goes up to record as much of an entire video game on this Saturday as we can. So uh, it'll be good. Uh, you know, who knows what it'll be, but it'll be something, which is better than I could have said two weeks ago. So, yeah. Uh, thanks again, everybody. You can find Destiny, as always, at the various places. Destiny? At FridgeBuzzNow on Twitter. That's all one word. BattlingGirls.com. I'm sorry we haven't released an episode in a month. We had a lot of live shows in April. Um, and you can find me in the beautiful archives here. And on Trash Spect Ratio with uh, both of you's kids. Uh, Jackson. I'm at Headfalls Off on Twitter and at HeadfallsOff.com where you can find all the stuff that I do. And uh, you can find me at EM underscore being on Twitter and Instagram and all the other places. Uh, I mostly just hang out on Twitter and draw every once in a while these days. You can find the podcast at abnormalmapping.com. Check out Abnormal Mapping for, uh, you know, all the articles. Check out our YouTube channel. Just go there. Look it up. See what we're doing. I only uh, read Jackson, for the articles. Uh, Jackson's Mega Man videos have been a delight uh, because the secret of Mega Man is that it's well suited to all the things Jackson likes about video games. Uh, the one I recorded today, right before we did this podcast, is the I'm so angry. I'm so angry. I'm so angry. That's all right. <laughs> so, I, like... <laughs> I'm so, ex- I'm so excited to listen to you sing your way through Mega Man 2 and 3. <laughs> it's going to be true. Oh, those albums are so good. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'll be playing uh, Castlevania, among other things. So that's it. We're not done. Uh, but we're done for now. So goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.